Welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dean Overelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And today we are on the phone with our endurance running coach, the magnificent, the wonderful, and the fast, Coach John Hunterkamp. John, how are you doing today on this lovely, steamy, hot Monday? Uh, the summer's here, yeah. I'm excited to, to be with you and Already coaching the team and some runners reaching out, whether it's Chicago or New York or uh, Twin Cities or some of the other uh, fall races we have on, on, on the docket there. And uh, people are excited to train. And yeah, it's definitely summer all of a sudden. So that's part of, you know, it's part of training. You can't control the weather on a race day or even in training. So uh, definitely um, a hot one. Absolutely. And we're excited. Uh, this, uh, this episode is strictly going to be based on training and how to get started, what to do, what not to do. I think we're going to go into some types of runs and sharing some of the Project Purple knowledge um, with you, with Coach John. And we're excited to have him as part of the staff here, training our fall marathon teams as we're going into kicking off that season. So with that being said, John, what's the best way to get started for those runners and those people listening at home if you're training for a fall marathon? Um, I, I always try to keep it simple. It's, you know, if you're someone who hasn't run at all and you're, you're you're tackling your first race or your first marathon, it's really just getting that schedule down. We talked a little bit about this last time, and you know, that could be if you're running zero times a week, then start with one or two, and not too much too soon. Because the last thing we want to do is is get hurt because that just, that's everything up, and its training journey becomes uh, a little more stressful. And so, really, it's just taking wherever you are. Don't listen to your neighbor or your coworker or your spouse that thinks they know it all about running. Um, just <laughs> do what you need to do. And um, again, I coach all different levels, people who are lost a bet and, they're, and they find themselves running the marathon or, they're, or a veteran who's just trying to break a certain time if they haven't the Boston qualifier or not. But And again, I've been already coaching some of the Project Purple runners. Some of them have their own free guides they found online or and that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to coach them through that. Uh, we have the customized run tricks program, which those are for New York have, haven't gotten a link yet, but Chicago and Twin Cities has. So any questions in that program, but that's just a more customized program. You don't have to use it. I'm, I'm happy to coach everyone through whatever they're utilizing, but I am here as a resource. And it's really just starting from where you are and then gradually building each week. And the long run is a key, a key run of the week. Uh, but right against what? You know, your long run could be three to five miles right now. Long is and short is fast and slow is, is relative. Um, so don't get um, coaching a couple people now that their their first run is three miles. Well, guess what? That's their long run now. You know, in, in ten weeks or twelve weeks, they they'll be running eighteen or twenty, and you'll look back and be amazed at how far you've come in a short time. But uh, just figure out where you're at. I mean, that's where we'll start from. It's really simple and. You don't have to get too crazy, but we're going to build gradually each week. We'll rest when we want to rest or need to rest. And uh, there's be some times where it's hot like today and you have to get out there and get it in or get up earlier or switch days around. And I would say uh, life happens when you're training for a marathon. It's just how we deal with it, just like anything else. So I'm happy to be a resource and help guide everyone through it. Awesome. And, and I guess uh, just on a couple notes there, John, and just hearing what you're saying. So I, I know we get this all the time. 
you know, and, and training for a marathon and a half marathon is a part-time job. Sometimes it's a full-time job, depending what your goals are. And everyone's different, right? Like everyone has a different goal in their mind. Some people are trying to Boston qualify. We were just talking right before someone may have an aspiration of making the Olympic team. Right. And those standards are really high. Um, and, uh, you know, some people just want to finish other people want to enjoy the experience. Um, and that's, I think expands a little bit further. What, what, the terminology or the definition, I should say, of enjoyment is because some people want to take a selfie at every uh, every big milestone or every big uh, statue or landmark on the race course, right? And finish under four hours. Well, you got to do a lot of running in between that if you're if you've got multiple landmarks, right? Or some people want to, uh, you know, be able to just take it all in and not really stress about you know everything that happens on race day in terms of time and stuff like that. So everyone's goals are different. Right. So I think that a couple things here, though, just starting and getting ready, you know, in terms of training, the long run is going to be critical. Right. So people always ask, like, hey, like, hey, for me, example, I was on a plane, you know, in 40 and like, you know, four days I was on the plane uh, two days out of the four. Like, how, how do you run? Like, how do you get your runs in? You know, so that long run is really critical. So regardless of what happens during the week. Or if you have to do, I know a lot of times uh, people sometimes have to do their long runs on like Friday or Monday because they're partying or they have plans on the weekend. Just make yeah, sure to, totally. so just make sure we get those long runs in, right? I think that's probably the most important run yeah, of the week. That's probably the most crucial just because you're building your mind and body, to, you're callousing your mind and body to be able to handle. And to be honest, the only, the main point of marathon training and the main goal is actually to get yourself tired. <laughs> and then, then you ask your body to run when it's tired. It's kind of like those last couple reps in the gym. If those who are gym rats out there are used to, it, you know, they, if you're no aim at the gym, it's not the first couple reps. You know, it's not the first couple pull-ups. It's to do as a pull-up for the last couple reps when you're really tired. And that's really what marathon is. It, it, it's basically, yeah, anyone can, when I say anyone can run the you know, 5K, 10K, half marathon, like if you've trained properly, those that's not that hard. It's, it's when you get to mile 20 and you have to run a 10K. And you'll, you'll, you'll often hear that it's the, the first half of the marathon is 20 miles and the second half is that 10K. And, um, yeah, that, that's, it, that can be true, but it's definitely um, it's what your body and mind do when it's tired. And that's when you start making deals with the devil, mile 23, and <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll eat better next time, or I'm not going to drink beer next time, or whatever you know, whatever gets you through, or you're thinking of a loved one, and obviously a bunch of purple cases of a lot of runners I've been meeting both uh, at that Global Running Day last week. We met a couple of Project Purple runners, and even via online with them, you know, with the um, Coach John inbox, I've been talking to folks, and everyone has a, you know these passionate and, and, and inspiring and motivational stories. So those are things that we definitely draw upon to get us through those tough parts. But uh, it should be enjoyable too. It shouldn't be uh, arduous and terrible all the time. But you know, it's training is is going to have some ups and downs. It's just how you manage it, but. I mean, that sounds cheesy, but you need to be enjoying it. I, I often would hear runners complain, oh, I got six more long runs. Like, like it's a countdown, and I can't wait for it to be over. And I think we might have talked about this last time, you know, is the 2012 marathon, I think, which is the Project Purple's first New York City marathon, I'm not mistaken, uh, the race was canceled yeah. uh, with Hurricane Sandy. And, yeah. like, that was a huge lesson for me because I coached all these runners, and then they didn't run the race. And yeah. I was still getting people thanking me for, you know, that they lost weight or they came off blood pressure medication, or, and that's when I really realized that, you know, guess the race is great, that's the goal, we would definitely want to, you know, crush that final exam, but in that case, it didn't happen, and there's still so many 
lot of lessons and things to be done and, and learned throughout the, the course of the training journey, which I was, sounds cheesy, but it's so true. It's, um, you know, it's enjoy the ride versus, you know, wishing it was over and wishing to get to the final exam on that last day. It's kind of like, you know, you don't mind taking a final exam if you've done all the studying, right? So hopefully we can get most of that studying done and get most of that work in, realizing that we will get sick along the way or a little injury here or there or kid gets sick or, you know, there's a family reunion or there's all these things that come up. But as long as we can manage it and get 70 or 80% of our training in and stay healthy, you know, our number one goal is to get to that journey line healthy and then, then you have a much better race day than going in there, like, wondering when the wheels are going to fall off. But, um, but, yeah, enjoy it for sure. But uh, I'm looking forward to helping everyone out during uh, their training journeys for sure. Awesome, awesome. And I think, you know, like that – what you just said, like I just sit in my, uh, just, I made a note here is just about, you know, getting tired (laughs) because that, uh, that really is it. I mean, it's, you, you hit it right on top of the head there with that because for some people, you know, it may take them six, seven hours and just think about that. Even if it takes you four hours, three hours, that's a long time to be on your feet. The average person spends maybe 10 minutes at a clip on their feet you know, just yep. standing. So imagine actually being physical and running and or walking or you know jogging, whatever you want to say it is. So uh, so yeah, that, that's pretty uh, that's pretty spot on with just making your body tired and recovering. So moving forward, we talked. So you know, getting started, getting those long runs in is critical. Getting your body tired and building to that. Next question, John is. And I know I've seen this and, and you know, this is probably going to probably uh, have the most questions because long run's easy, right? Like three miles, you're building, you know, eventually it's going to be 18, 20, whatever your training is or whatever that duration is. But during the week, there's these other runs, there's tempo runs, there's fart licks, there's, you know, um, runs where requires you to, you know, warm up at an average pace and then speed up, do marathon pace for a couple miles and then cool down at an average pace. So for our audience at home, and we've got a vast audience, and I'm sure, you know, we've got runners I know looking at the multiple teams and and also for the public at large, you've got people that have done this. And then you have people who have no idea what a fart lick is. They have no idea what a tempo run is. Can you talk a little bit to that um, in those types of runs? And then also, second part of that question is the importance of those runs and, and what those runs might mean to our runners while they're doing those. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. A lot of, of our runners are doing some of those workouts with that, without even knowing it. Yeah. You run the run and you, <laughs> yeah. you feel good and you, you pick up the pace for the last 20 minutes of your run and then the runner's high, whatever that is. Yeah. That's basically a tempo run. Your basic tempo run is really just a run that's um, – Kind of like an annoying pace. Obviously, in that case, if you're feeling good, you're picking up the pace. It's not to say annoying because you're feeling good and you know, we wish you could bottle that up for, for race day. But uh, Or even people often, um, all the real runners do all these workouts, these fancy interval training and fart licks and tempos. Whereas really, it's, you know, I went to the track the other day with a, a group that I'm working with. They're kind of a beginner group and we did eight times one lap. Uh, it wasn't even actually, the lap was almost 400 meters. So it was like actually like from that track. Actually, downtown in Battery Park City, and we would just happen to be running around this like path, which was happened to be a loop of kind of like an oval. And uh, we did eight times a lap, and we took like a minute rest. And I said, 
you know, ladies and gentlemen, we just ran an interval workout. And they were like, what? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, interval workout is just getting the mind and body used to running faster paces. Because what happens is you run for three or four weeks. I know personally, you know, I've been running for 35 years. And, you know, for a couple of weeks of running after taking a break, I get bored. You know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, like, running, I do my best thinking. I do my best. It's a great creative outlet for me. But sometimes, like, you know, I one loop in the park. And I live near Prospect Park here. And it's gorgeous. But I get bored of just one loop. I have to, like, find people to run with or, you know, make it interesting. And so it's it's okay that it's not exciting all the time. But uh, after three or four weeks of running, and after whether that's three days a week, you get your schedule down, I feel like you get kind of bored. So doing these other workouts, I think it's more interesting. It's more fun. Oftentimes you're running faster. I would say it's fast. It's fun to run fast. Again, fast is relative. It's just faster than your, you know, your, your normal pace. Maybe it's your 5K pace in a race. Um, but I think it's more just uh, mixing it up is important. So it's not boring and stale. But I think you'll realize if you're just running every you know couple days or three days or four days a week, you will increase your endurance. You will increase your fitness and stamina. But typically you'll get stuck at a certain pace, especially if you start racing. You might have a dramatic increase of uh, your time coming down because you're so new to it or you're you haven't been doing it for a while and you're reintroduced to it mm-hmm. and then you kind of get stuck and I think doing intervals or speed or finding a hill and sprinting up a bit walking down um, it's all types of variation of training that helps you with your speed and I think actually that's how you get I would say when people say um, ask me all the time how do I get faster and my wise wise ass answer is uh, by running faster but it's running faster in, in an intelligent way not every day once or twice a week in these different types of runs. But most of the marathon training is actually easy running. Um, it's just doing a lot of it, especially when you're tired. So your tempo run is really just a, a medium paced run, which you know, I, I should be at the end of a tempo run, should be like an annoying pace where you can go, but you're happy that you're stopping. Uh, intervals is really just, you know, eight times one lap on the track, or it's uh, one minute on, one minute off on an easy run, on a regular run. Uh, that's really also what a fartlek is. Fartlek typically is um, it's the Swedish word for speed play. And a fartlek is more typically, the fartlek version is like a, a random where you're running from one stoplight to the next or one tree to the next and there's no rhyme or reason. But uh, basically, interval training where it's more set, structured, is kind of a fartlek, but it's just it's, it's eight times a minute or it's eight times a lap. So it's not random. And that, usually with the fartlek, fartlek is more of a random kind of as you feel. You're just kind of making it up as you go but um most of the running is going to be easy running the long run is mostly easy it's just tired towards the end of it when you're, when you're hitting uncharted territory but you also can just not do any of these work- workouts you can just run three days a week and one of them is longer and you'll finish there's, there's a little comfort for you especially for new york i know a lot more stats on new york just because i've run it the last seven years I used to work for the new york road runners and like either anywhere from 98.8 to 99.2 percent of the race that starts We'll finish. And the average time, depending on the weather every year, is anywhere from 427 to 434. So whoever starts that race, less than 1% is not finishing. You know, obviously, you can defer and you can you know, cancel if you're injured or you have a conflict or something. But So it's amazing how many people actually finish that race. And you know, as you know, not everyone's prepared. A lot of people missed their runs or they were injured or were lazy or didn't know what they were doing the first time out. But uh, so all these intervals and, and, and tempo and all these all these like um, terminology. It's most runners are probably doing a variation of it without even knowing it. So don't don't look into it, read into it too too far. But it does make you faster. It does make you fitter. I think it is more fun. And if you have any questions about that.
Paul Runners or uh, or me. Uh, that's what I'm here for. You know, my email is uh, Coach John at ProjectPurple.org, and uh, I'm a lifeline for you guys. So, you know, no question is too silly. Trust me, I've heard a lot of silly questions, and believe me, I've heard the question before. So, I'm here to help, whether it's dissecting a workout for you or just uh, distracting you. Um, hopefully, we'll, we'll get to the storyline healthy. That's the main goal. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think when I first started running, I remember like, what's a fart lick? And I was like, what the hell is that? Like, and then, you know, then you really think about it and for the amount of volume and and I, I go back to what you originally said, that long run is so critical. And, you know, that is probably the biggest key in all of this is making sure that you're consistent with those long runs and, you know, the tempo runs and the interval training, you know, if that's something that uh, I, I think, John, for our audience at home, if they're listening, you know, and, and if they want to have a certain goal in mind in terms of time, like, hey, if you want to do a 3.30 in whatever race, regardless of it's New York or Chicago or whatever race, the reality is you are going to have to throw in a lot of that training in there to become faster right. if you're not a 3.30 runner already, right? Like, so, right. you know, those are strategies. And, and I know I think that's the one thing, John, honestly – and nothing against the uh, the couch to the potatoes or these other, you know, cookie cutter boilerplate programs that I think kind of misses the, the, the boat a bit. Because I remember like one year I trained and I just went off of like a 16 week schedule, got it off runner's world. But there was a lot of the tempo runs, a lot of the interval training that was in there. And looking back, like. My goal was to finish, not necessarily finish under 3.30. I mean, I think that's, you know, that was at that time, I think it was one of my Boston marathons now that I, I really look back at it. And I was just like, yeah, I think I could get under four or get to 3.30. And just like re- realistically, that just wasn't plausible. I think given the, the training that I was doing and the, and the volume, uh, you know, looking back, because Boston is such a hard course in itself. Um, but I just don't think that that proper the plan just wasn't good, you know, with the, with all the, 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 the dynamics in it that I, I just didn't understand it. Let's put it that way, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so I think that's something that maybe a lot of people get caught up on is like, Hey, they look at it and go, okay, yeah. Tempo runs, fart licks. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what a fart lick is, but I guess I'll figure it out. Or, you know, there's a little on the side, there's a little glossary of terms and kind of gives you a bit of a description so uh, I think that's like the one thing I think if anything, our audience can take away from this is like, hey, those long runs are super important. Make sure you don't miss those. And, you know, like you said, man, um, a lot, just go out there and run and just get the runs in and, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah, absolutely. If there's a goal of 330, like by all means, like you're going to have to put that stuff in there. But for our yeah, team. It's also, yeah, it's also important. I think if you don't have a time goal and I, this is a. Uh... The number one goal I hear from folks is to just finish, and I always mm. tell them to take the word just out. Yeah. Your goal is to finish. It's a phenomenal goal. Yeah. Don't, don't minimize it by saying, oh, just finish. You know, but even if you're looking to just finish, in quotes, um, you still need to know what pace you should run because we want to make run a smart race. So yeah. I think doing those intervals occasionally or even just running the, the 5K once in a while to see where you're at or obviously maybe a half marathon, a lot of people might do it at their goal pace, but it is important to know what pace you're trying to hit because number one mistake, especially for first-time, or especially first-time New Yorkers, or even first-time, not necessarily first-time marathoners, but first-time in New York, where it's such an epic race. And obviously, Chicago's epic in Twin Cities and others as well, but I just know with New York for sure, it's the biggest, and it's, it's you know, it's a big party, and, and a lot of atmosphere and energy, where it's so easy to go out, where people run their best 5K and 10K, 
in the beginning of it, and that's just always a recipe for disaster for later in the race. So it is important to know what paces you should be running. You don't you don't have to care what those paces per mile add up to be at the end of the day, six hours, five hours, but you do need to know where you, where you should be running because you want to run within yourself and you want to get tired at mile 24 and not be walking at mile 12 because you went out too fast. So definitely know what paces you should run. You just don't have, you don't have to care about the final goal, but you need to care about how you get there. You know, that's important to say, I think. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I think for our runners who are listening to this podcast, guess what? They've got access to you. So they have a great resource in figuring all this out, right? Like that's the, you know, and that's the great thing about running with Project Purple is you have this trusted advisor in Coach John um, who's going to help you guide you through this process and make sure that uh, your goal, whether it is to run 330 or to finish and enjoy the race, is met. So uh, that, that's good stuff. So John, and we also don't need to figure that out right away. We have no. weeks for, for Chicago. We have 20 for New York and some of the others. So, you know, you know we'll, we'll learn a lot about you as a runner. Um, and then, so, yeah, like 10 weeks out, eight weeks out, you know, definitely four or six weeks out, you should have a better idea of what, what you should be doing. But so a lot will happen in the next uh, three or four or five months. But uh, there's time to figure some stuff out. And I'm here, as like I said, a resource to help you get there. But it's not like somebody else figure it out tomorrow. We have time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, that's what to do. We've talked about like, hey, what you should be doing, how you get started, uh, types of runs, goals. What are some of the things, John, and that our runners should not be doing? Uh, don't uh, right now. I'm I'm talking about right now, not necessarily race weekend, but now like within like let's say the things that runners should not be doing to start their training. Uh, don't um, run on the pair of shoes that you've been having your your closet for 10 years that you mow the lawn with. Get a new <laughs> pair of shoes that are 80 to 140 bucks. It's really the only investment. Obviously, we're fundraising a lot of dollars for awareness for Project Purple, which is phenomenal. You don't need a lot of equipment, but you do need proper shoes, and you probably need a couple pairs. So that's something that you you, know, you, you need to focus on and go to a local running store and, and talk to those folks. You also don't need to run seven days a week. Okay, I'm oh, 16 weeks out today. Like, let's run all of a sudden. So, you, you know, you don't, there's a common, you know, these rules of thumb that you try to abide by. You don't want to increase your weekly mileage by more than 10% each week. So, you know, you don't have to go out and run 10 miles. It's actually interesting. The, uh, for, for years, the New York River, uh, long training runs, which are great. I think we're, we're going to be meeting for some of those here in New York for Project Purple, if I'm not mistaken. Those are um, great because they're, you know, there's pace groups and it's very, uh, Similar to uh, the race itself, where there's lots of people and you're running paces and you're learning fueling, uh, but for, forever they were like six to twenty miles. So everyone would run twenty miles because it, that was on the. It said six to twenty. Yeah. You kind of choose whatever you want. And for a while, I was fighting friends of road runners that people were running twenty miles a week too because it, they can. I'm yeah. Like, limit. So now actually, I think it's twelve, fifteen, and eighteen or something. Or I mean, it's so I'm glad to see that those are capped in a way that yeah you obviously can add on if you're more advanced and you, can, you know you're in such a park you can just add on a couple miles not a problem but i'm glad to see that that is structured in a way that people aren't tempted to go go too long on that long runs because they have that day where they can practice so that's good to see this year you just be smart about it but not nothing too much too soon i would say aaron doing too little versus too much um you know, new pair of shoes and you don't have to go out there and 
be a negative or, or you can do an easy run. You can do it. A workout can be easy. I think the connotation of a workout means that you have to suffer and be sweating. And it's really just getting it in and it doesn't have to be fancy. And it, sometimes you can throw your watch out the window and not worry about it. You just get 30 minutes in or you just run whatever effort you want to do. But, uh, but it's definitely something in week one to not get out of the gates too fast where you're super excited to start training and you end up with shin splints because you ran you know, 40 miles in the first week and you're used to running five or zero. But new shoes or proper shoes and um, you're not going too much too strong out of the gates I think is important to think about right now. So what not to do, I had written down here is listen to others because I know every season someone comes to us and says, hey, my spouse or my cousin who's run multiple marathons told me to do this. And I think, uh, you know, not that you shouldn't listen to someone who uh, is in your family, like your spouse, but, uh, you know, and also people who maybe have run marathons. It's also great to get experience, you know, get some words of wisdom from them. But I think, you know, really kind of listening to yourself and, and keeping kind of the, uh, you know, the thoughts out of your head, especially with training. And I know that's a big part of this that we haven't even talked about yet, which is the mental aspect of all this that's going on here. But, you know, just go out there, make sure you have a good pair of sneakers, try to not listen to everyone because everyone's got an opinion about running. I remember when I was starting all my marathon training, just to give an example, I went to see a cardiologist and he's like, oh, marathon running's bad. <laughs> okay. I said, okay. I said, bad how? He's like, well, bad on your joints, but good on your heart. I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll suffer through it from an orthopedic standpoint, but, you know, cardiovascular wise, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll reap the benefits from it. Right. But, you know, so, you know, I, again, everyone has an opinion on something, but the other thing that you said, which is suffering, you know, versus enjoying. And I think that's something that's really important. I think, you know, our listeners at home and especially the team here, like, A, you should not, I mean, there is going to be a level, I, I tell my kids this all the time, my two boys, because they're runners, and they're like, Dad, that hurt. And I'm like, well, you know, it's going to hurt a little bit, but you can walk the next day or you can walk after you're done running. It's not like you, you fractured your, your ankle or your leg, you know, right. we're not talking about that kind of suffering. Um, but you, it should not be painful and you should enjoy these runs. And like you said, just go out there and run. Don't worry about the time. Don't worry about the miles. Even though I, I cringe every time my GPS doesn't sync because I want to make sure I, I have the right mileage on my watch if I'm doing a new route. That's why maybe I always do the same route because I know what the miles are just in case that doesn't happen. But really enjoy those runs. And I, I think that's really critical here, especially for those. I mean, we've got a fair amount of people. This is going to be a PR for them because they've never run this distance. Um, you know, I don't know what statistically that number looks like at some of these bigger races, but I'm sure it's it's pretty significant. So you really want to enjoy the training and enjoy the journey, as I always say. Um, so you shouldn't have to suffer and not be able to, you know, I'm sure after your long run, if that's the first time you've ever gone 18 or 16 miles, you know, and we'll talk a little bit about recovery. There are some things to lessen, um, you know, the soreness and the stiffness the next day and later that day. But you should be able to be active, you know, fairly quick um, and not be hurt where you're you're on the couch, you know, and you can't move for like three days after you did your, your long run. Yeah, I think it's important, too. I mean, you will suffer, you know, in those, you know, on a hot day, that's a five-mile run. Oftentimes, oddly enough, people get so 
jacked up for a long run because it's so important. Yeah. And then they, and then they, you know, they have a five mile run two days later, and they're like, they're, they're like dragging. Yeah. And they're like, how I just did eighteen? How? And it's like, well, you don't, you're not mentally getting up for the five mile run. So you're like thinking it's going to be an easy thing, and if it's humid, or you're just, you know, maybe have lingering fatigue from the long run. It's like, wow, that five miler seemed harder than the eighteen. Well, the eighteen, you maybe had a group. You uh, were thinking about it all week, and the five miler, you're like, ah, whatever, it's no big deal. And so you do. Um, I would say when you have a couple bad runs, those are good because you know if you, every run's perfect, and then you have some adversity during the race at mile sixteen, and you've never had a adversity, you're not going to be that good at handling it. So I don't want all your runs to be bad, but some, some bad runs are good because you yeah. know you yeah. you have um, you know you want it to be tough. That's part of the challenge. You know, not everyone's running marathons. It's not going to be easy. You just want it to be really hard the last two miles versus the last 12. Right. Uh, you know, you, you want it to kind of have it to hurt. But again, it, it should be enjoyable for the most part. And, you know, some of those pain points, whether it's, uh, you know, they're nursing a, some aches and pains or, um, you know, it's, um, I think you you look back at those experiences during the race and you say, wow, well, I, I ran that 18 in the rain or my knee hurt. I was penetrating in the, in the pool for four weeks and, like you kind of use that as ammo against the race on race day, where you're like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna beat me. So there is, there's this, this, this pain point, so there's uh, adversity. But overall, yes, you absolutely need to be enjoying it, looking forward to it. And and to your point about not listening to everyone, it's so true because I know people who follow are following five different plans. Yeah. And it's just like, even if your plan is not the best because you found it online and you just got stuck and you don't want to deviate from it. You're better off following one plan than, than several. And there's definitely going to be people that, like, especially when you get later in the training cycle, and it's like, oh, you've only, you haven't done 20 yet? Like, I've done four 20 miles. Like, my first marathon, I ran a 17, a 19, and a 21. Yeah. And I was fine. I didn't do, I did 120, which was that 21 miler. Uh, and often people say, well, how am I going to do 26 when I've only done 21? And the magic of the day will we'll get you through. But it's really just, being you and doing you, and then you know, obviously, you know, you can listen to some things because you want to get some tips and kind of like take it all in. But yeah, if you're listening to the mailman and the bartender and the, the cousin and your spouse who's run ten, and it, it gets overwhelming and, and it's all noise and it gets tough to, to decipher what's important, what's not important. But that's where I kind of come in and kind of be a ref. Or if you're not sure, you should take the day off and you email me and and I say go cross train or take two days off and then you you can go on with your day without wrestling with that. And that's why I have a coach. I, 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 it's tough to do that for yourself sometimes. So you, you do want to utilize the, 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 the resources that Country Purple gives, uh, one being myself. But uh, enjoy, but also know that uh, it definitely can. It, it can take over your life. I often would meet folks at the marathon expos that I coached and their spouses like, Coach John this and Coach John that. Like I can't, can't wait to get my husband back because all he talks about is <laughs> Coach John. Miler. <laughs> so I, I, you have to do, do give props to the support system of people that but listen to us crazy people talking about running all the time. So I get it. That is true. Yeah, the, all these crazy people. But you know, I think the one thing too, though, John, um, that you just said, and um, with the running here, is. You know, you just got to listen to yourself. And I, I think th I've heard this from you. I've heard it from uh, Molly Huddle mentioned it as well when I was talking to her. Like some days, man, you're just not going to have it. And you've got to listen to yourself, uh, your body. You know, you got to get those miles in. But it doesn't mean that like, hey, if you ran your long run on Sunday or Saturday, 
you know, Wednesday, you know, calls for, you know, a run and, and you just don't feel it. Like you don't feel sharp enough. And I know I've been in this spot many times, still got to get those runs in. And even if it's a slow run, it's a run, you know, it might not be the fastest run um, just because you're still recovering or for whatever reason you had to run late because, you know, you didn't get your run in the morning and it's hot now. Um, you know, you just, you know, I think that's, uh, that's really critical to listen to yourself physically and mentally, um, with the running and the training here that's going on. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm more of a detective half the time and try to figure out why you're, you're fatigued. There's so many factors, oh, stress, yeah. workload, uh, life balance, kids that are sick, uh, stress at work, jobs, mowing the lawn, um, family reunion, like you name it. Um, yeah. There's a lot going on, so it's really just, yeah, hey, guess what? It's only running. It's important, but it, it shouldn't take over your life, but it, it is important. It is a lot for a lot of times the, the first and maybe the only marathon, and you want it to go right and, and have a you know good experience and not get a stress fracture and, and feel like you weren't able to handle it. or You, you know, so it's, it's on one hand, it's very simple, but it, there's definitely layers that kind of come into play that make it more complicated, and hopefully with my role here, I can mitigate some of those layers or prevent that from happening where um, you can just focus on running for, for as much as you need to and, and you can still, you know, check all the other boxes that you need to check in, in, in your daily life. Absolutely. All right. So we talked about running. You get your runs in. Most important thing, get that long run in. Don't listen to anyone else. Keep a level head. Make sure you have a new pair of sneakers, preferably two, because I think you'll get about 400 out of each, right, John? That's typically the standard. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, if you can afford it, uh, I would say even three pairs for a marathon. It's like a three or four. True. Like, I usually get one, once you find a pair that you like, I would say, you know, three, like four weeks in, get another pair and then start alternating them. Yeah. Like every other run, and then eventually that first one will you'll cycle out completely and you'll maybe get a third pair, but uh, ideally, and then that. The one maybe three or four weeks out from the marathon, you're, you're breaking in that last pair of shoes, and um, so it's you know it's not it's brand new, but it's not old either, and um, definitely important to invest in that a little bit. Yeah, and that kind of goes into my next subject, which is recovery, and I think this is something. You know, when we get runners, and I know this has happened, people who get shin splints, and they say, and then the first question is like, so when did you get a new pair of sneakers? Oh, I, I'm still using the same pair for like six months, you know. Right. Or, you know, oh, I'm using, you know, we, we do a lot with CrossFitters, and we just had this recently. One of our runners is a big CrossFitter, and uh, it's like, so, uh, you know, it's just talking casually, and he's like, yeah, man, he's like, what do you wear for running? And I'm like, uh, running sneakers, you know, and he's like, oh, I've been using my CrossFit ones, and I'm like, no, <laughs> like, those aren't made for distance, uh, you know, you got to really make sure that, uh, the, the, you know, it starts with the foundation and, and the shoes that you're wearing are really critical. So talking about recovery, John, what are some of the things uh, that our runners should be thinking about when it comes to recovery? And I know there's different types of recovery, so this can go in multiple directions, but maybe some just suggestions here with recovery and, and what our runners should be doing at this point. And I know as this, as you know, as the marathon season and the training, we get deeper and deeper and the miles begin to increase, that recovery is going to look a little bit different than it would, let's say, that first or, or you know, within that first uh, trimester or the first quarter of the, the training series, if we had to break it into quarters. 
Yeah, I think it's important. One thing that you mentioned in a little bullet points here, a little agenda here to keep us on track is as cross training. I think it's important to to cross train right away because I'm typical just a runner, and I I typically go cross train when I absolutely have to, which is when I'm beat up a little bit. I'm currently actually nursing a little foot issue. I'm trying to figure out what it is. I'm still able to run on it, but I'm making sure I have different shoes. And the problem with that is, is that I, I don't cross train until I absolutely have to, and then it's not in my routine and it's annoying. I'm like, ah, oh, I got to get on the elliptical or I got to find a pool. You can find, if you're, if you're doing CrossFit or you're doing other things, taking classes or soul cycle or different things, um, keep doing those. And obviously eventually running, will have to do, do more running and then less of that other stuff. But if you do have an issue, like um, or maybe if you have a bad cold, you just want to get on the bike and sweat it out, and sweat it out a little bit in the gym and you don't want to get outside or your shins are bothering you, you don't want to leave it, you know, it, it to be led to a stress fracture. Uh, if you're used to cross-training, it's a lot easier to do when you need to do more of it occasionally in training, unlike myself, where it's I don't typically do it until I absolutely have to, and then it's out of the ordinary or I'm not used to it. And it, 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 Anyway, so just try to add cross-training right away. And that could be, you know, cross-training is really just anything that gets your heart rate up that's not running. Mm-hmm. Just to be simple, whether it's swimming, that's running in the pool, that's on the row machine, it's, you know, I look to go. So I try to do the cross-training, uh, mix that in right away if you're not already doing it, because if you do need to go to it more often because uh, you need to take a week off of not running, you're like, that's automatic. It's already, you already know how to do that. You already know what machine to go in the, in the gym. You already know, you know, where to go, and that's important. But back to recovery, you know, I always tell people, even though they're, Think of themselves as a, oh, I'm not a real runner, and I'm just, you know, one, you know, kind of a weekend warrior or whatever. Find your dream team, and that, that means that goes to the running store that you're talking to. It goes to your coach. In, my, in this case, you have access to me. Uh, some of you have access to local training groups, you know, for workouts. It's easier to do some of those harder runs or long runs, which we'll do together, hopefully, throughout the training journey. But, um, you know, make sure you're – you know, if your foot hurts, you know where the, there's a running foot doctor or podiatrist. It's not just the, the generic doctor that's going to tell you to take six weeks off because they, that's just the, but a lot of doctors who don't know running will say. So, you know, massage therapists, I tell someone here in New York, this woman, Claudia, I've been going to for 20 years. Anyone that I coach in New York is definitely seeing Claudia just because they ask me about stuff. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a massage therapist, but I, I know enough about it where I said go to someone who knows what they're doing. And some of that does cost, you know, massage is not cheap and, and uh, you know, chiropractor and all these other things, and acupuncturist, whatever it is, nutritionist. If you can afford it, or it, or there's definitely ways, there's free, there's free stuff out there, or there's free resources that, that, you'll, that you can find some of this. But you need to have your build your dream team. And it sounds silly because you're not maybe an Olympic athlete or you're not you're just watching the NBA finals or now the World Cup's on and you have all these trainers and it seems like only the top athletes have all these resources. But... You need to treat yourself like an athlete, not just a runner. And that goes with rehab and cross-training and simple things we can do as far as keeping ourselves recovered is eating protein after a long run within 20 minutes. And, you know, uh, that's, you know, hydrating is very important. It's not a foam roller, which is kind of awkward and, you know, but it's ice baths are terrible, but they're great for you. After a long run or a hard workout, getting in an ice bath or a lake or 15 minutes where it's really cold, that's a really easy form of recovery. It's not um, necessarily fun. <laughs> it's also easy to do in hotels because they have those ice machines right there on typically every floor. Whereas at home, you're using like ice trays, which don't last very long. Uh, so you're going to your local bodega, grabbing a bag of ice. But 
these are things that um, I can help you with that are more, you know, quick things that you can do every day um, that help you recover. But massage therapy, uh, taking your easy day is easy. Number one thing that people do incorrectly is they might run hard on Tuesday, and then Wednesday they're taking the day off from running, but they're doing a hard CrossFit session. Well, that's two hard days back-to-back. It's not running hard twice in two days in a row, but it's you hit your system in a different way really hard, and then the next day you do a Peloton thing, and then the next day you're doing a hard yoga, and then maybe you're only running hard once out of those four days. If you're doing something hard on all those days, that's going to catch up to you. So make sure your easy days are easy. Make sure you're eating as best you can, but, yeah, you can cheat a little bit and have a beer and, you know, all that stuff. But it's recovery, to your point, you know, is, it can take several different conversations within one with rehab and strength training but eating well and sleeping well and your dream team. But recovery is super important. And, um, yeah, that's something I can definitely help guide you through if you're wondering, depending on where you are. There's definitely ways, whether it's the local PT place. And a PT should be preventative where you're, you're doing some of these things to prevent these things versus doing them when you absolutely have to because your shins are screaming. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, recovery is could be its own podcast in itself, quite no, honestly. Totally. And we've had a lot of specialists on the podcast already. We had a physical therapist, and I was just thinking back to what he said, like this this whole thing of – and I asked him, and he deals a lot with uh, – he, he deals with all athletes, but he's done some work with some professional CrossFit athletes, and he talked about active recovery was his best idea Um and he said that might even look like, you know, 20 to 30 minutes on a on a aerodyne bike um, and just, you know, doing it at a casual pace, not a hard pace, but active, you know, getting the blood flow, getting the muscles moving. And I think that's everyone is going to be different when it comes to recovery. And I think recovery is a very complex subject and it could be its own podcast. But the thing that you just said was understanding your body, which we kind of go back, this kind of brings us full circle, right? From the very beginning is understanding, you know, running hard and what that is, and then understanding your body from running, but also from a recovery standpoint is that, hey, if you run long today and it's Sunday and you did 12 miles or six miles, and that's the longest you've done at that point, you know, your cross training tomorrow shouldn't be, you know, soul cycle maniac, you know, hour class where you sweat. It should be something maybe a little bit more casual or a little bit less aggressive, or it shouldn't be CrossFit, you know, balls to the walls type of workout where, you know, you're about to throw up in a crazy Metcon, you know, it should be something that's a little bit more relaxed, um, you know, maybe going to the gym and lifting weights. I mean, that, that, that's relative to everyone, right? If you train, I think there's one, you know, follow a bunch of people on social media. And if you're training at that such high level performance wise, and your body's able to withstand those kinds of workouts back to back, but it's used to it. That's one thing. But if you're not used to it and you haven't trained that way, then I think you just have to be really smart, like you said, and just really kind of understand that your body needs recovery, but you should still do something active and cross train and stuff like that. Yeah, I think uh, recovery is probably just as the obviously you need to run and need to train. Can't just recover. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. You're not fit. But recovery is just as important, if not more important, um, than the hard running and long running. Like if you're actually doing some of that running. And I think the toughest thing to decipher, especially as someone who's new to running or back from a long break from running, is deciphering between injury and soreness. Because yep. I think a lot of people run into this where, oh, no pain, no game, my shins are killing me, but I have to fight for it, running's awful. 
uh, and then they get a stress fracture. So, yeah. and they're just, you know, fairness to them, they're they're you know dealing with pain and adversity and they're pushing through, but they need they have to realize that it's you know some of that injury or soreness can lead to or the injury and pain is normal and it's just part of growing pains, getting used to the volume you're putting in and the things you're adding and but it, it's tough to tell for people to learn that and sometimes they have to learn that the hard way where they get a stress fracture or they have to take three weeks off because of plantar fasciitis or all these other things so it's it's tough because you can't just just know like all right everyone's different all these signs and symptoms are different everyone's pain thresholds are different so it's definitely um tricky to if you're new to it or it's been a while is this an injury or is this just soreness and you know, I can help, I'll help out the best I can, but even that is not just going to mean we'll, we'll get there. You know, sometimes you just have to do too much to realize what that is. Um, so it, just be patient with it. But that's why we say, like, less is more and always err on doing one less interval versus too many because it's just about being smart. And it's uh, that's a tough thing to decipher between. And the pros, you know, we were hanging out with Molly Huddle a couple weeks ago, one of the Project Purple events. Like she knows her body really well. Yeah. Um, but to your point, like someone just who's just running for the first time, they know their body better than me. You know, I'm a coach or I'm you know, Molly Huddle knows a lot. She doesn't know about your body, so it's you know you still got to trust yourself and be smart about it. And I think there's sometimes of a like a learning curve to that. And so be patient with it. Ask questions. It, just know that it's not going to be an obvious thing all the time. And that's what makes it tough. Is if you're someone who is willing to push through the pain and be a little bit tougher and that can come up back to haunt you a little bit versus someone who's a little bit too timid, but it's, it's different for every person. And it's, um, you know, it's, you gotta be patient with it and just try to trust your body and your instincts and use common sense. But, uh, sometimes common sense goes out the window. I, I, mean, I had a woman come to me at the expo with a cast on her leg asking me if she can run the next day. And I'm like, I'm a doctor, but probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so That's awesome. Well, um, this has been great, John, and, and for our team listening at home, when you're listening to this, uh, hopefully you've gotten some great information here from John about getting started, which I'm going to sum this up. Get those long run long runs in. That's been the theme is make sure you get those long runs in. Uh, don't listen to others. And, you know, make sure you're using recovery and everyone's recovery is going to be different um, because everyone knows their bodies. But that is really critical, those three points. So the most important piece of this whole thing is any questions related to running any Project Purple event, email Coach John at CoachJohn at ProjectPurple.org on anything you may have. And, John, for our team, you're a value-added resource for our listeners who are not on the team We'd love to have you run for us in the future at any of our runs and get the access to Coach John here. But if someone in the general public wanted to reach out to you and find you, what's the best way to find you, John? Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram. This is John Hunterkamp, J-O-H-N-H-O-N-E-R-K-A-M-P. So John Hunterkamp on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, my regular email is john at johnhunterkamp.com. You obviously can reach me at coachjohn at projectpurple.org. Uh, so plenty of ways to get a hold of me. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, I'm here for a reason. And I know Dino a couple of years now. I'm excited to, to be a resource and, and, and be inspired by all of you out there raising awareness fun for Project Purple. Uh, you do great work, and I'm just happy to be part of the, the ride. And any, anything I can do to help, there's no silly question. Trust me, I've heard some ridiculous questions, and I'm pretty sure your question, you might think it's silly, but it's probably 
and I probably have a good answer. And if I don't know the answer, I know somebody who does. Well, John, we appreciate all you're doing for our teams, and this was an awesome podcast. Uh, episode where uh, I think we really dialed in on some of the running stuff that is really critical and crucial to our runners, and hopefully they see the value that we see in it. So from all of us here at Project Purple, thank you, John, for all you do. And for all those listening, uh, we cannot wait for the fall. Uh, We do have some runs here in the summertime that John's working on, um, but the fall is a busy time for us. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, John, for participating. I'm sure we will have you on a future podcast. I think that is probably pretty high speculation that you'll be on on a future podcast probably midway through the marathon training season to talk about some other things. So thank you, John, for your time, and uh, we look forward to the next one. 